1: I've been just as critical of Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, as I have the other bishops in the USCCB. Almost all of the bishops are criminal, but there are a handful of Orthodox bishops, and Bishop Strickland is one of those who's Orthodox. Here's something I'm going to shout loud and long. During the last two years, every Catholic parish and most businesses lost a ton of money because of the COVID lockdowns. Congress attempted to ease the revenue strain with the CARES Act, but it really did nothing for parishes and little for most businesses. Believe it or not, Congress is actually remedying that. They've not done a good job of getting the word out, but Congress has enhanced the ERTC portion of the CARES Act. If a parish or business has W-2 employees, part-time or full-time, they almost certainly qualify for the ERTC tax rebate. I'm working with a CPA firm that specializes in ERTC rebates to reach out to all parishes and Catholic-owned businesses I can. This is especially good for parishes with schools. All any parish or Catholic-owned business has to do is click the link in my show notes that says, ERTC Recovery, I Want My Money. Then just fill out the form on the website, and the CPA firm will determine if the parish or business qualifies. It costs nothing to get started, and the average tax rebate appears to be $150,000, So tell every priest and Catholic business owner about the expanded ERTC rebate and send them to my show notes. Remember, click the link on my show notes that says ERTC Recovery. I want my money. My criticism of most of the USCC bishops is for the criminality. But that is not the reason why I criticize Orthodox bishops. My criticism of Orthodox bishops is for their cowardice. In Revelation 21.8, Jesus said, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This passage applies to every single bishop in the USCCB. The vast majority of them are faithless, sexually immoral, and liars. But where this passage applies to Orthodox bishops is the first vice Jesus mentions, cowardice. Among some of the Orthodox bishops in this country are Archbishop Corderlyon of San Francisco, Archbishop Nauman of Kansas City, Kansas, Archbishop Sample of Portland, Oregon, Bishop Olmstead of Phoenix, Bishop Pop Rocky of Springfield, Illinois, and Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. There are a few others. One of those bishops, though, is beginning to get the message about what happens to cowards. That bishop is Joseph Strickland. Over perhaps the last six or seven months, Bishop Strickland has become more and more outspoken, and what he's been saying is the mark of a true bishop, truth. I've been watching and listening to Bishop Strickland with great interest, admiration, and respect. He's been on this show before, but I wasn't really all that well known then. I sort of figured he'd regret coming on the cantankerous Catholic when he realized that I'm no friend of the USCCB. However, he did an interview with Michael Vorst that was published in a Vortex on February 10th. To his great credit, Bishop Strickland showed real backbone when he called out his fellow bishops in that interview. He didn't call them out by name, and no one should expect him to, but there was no doubt who his excellency was talking about. Since I've been critical of Bishop Strickland in the past for cowardice, and since he's now beginning to show the sacramental graces for his Episcopal office, I decided that in justice I needed to expose six-pack warriors to this Vortex interview. Let's listen.
2: All right, Bishop Strickland from Tyler, Texas, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, You are uh, becoming more and more outspoken about what's going on over in Germany in the synodal way, specifically other things as well. But specifically, let's start on that. Uh, you've tweeted out a couple of times that uh, this, is the, you know, this is a threat to the deposit of faith. It's not in line with the deposit of faith. Uh, expand on all of this for us a little
0: bit.
3: Yeah, thanks, Michael. I, I know I get accused of being divisive, but... The only unity is in Jesus Christ and in the deposit of faith that the church has, has, her beautiful heritage. Um, so I really, uh, in thinking about this, and the reason I tweeted is because the Diocese of Tyler is affected by reading about this. And I mean, people watch these things on the internet and, uh, that in really, Michael, I approach it as just the father of a family caring for his family, for his children. I'm the spiritual father of the every soul in the 33 counties that make up the Diocese of Tyler. And I know people accuse me of being divisive for speaking out as much as I do, but I feel compelled to speak to my family. Um, others listen in, but I have people in the diocese that I'm responsible for I love the people of God God has given us a marvelous human family. Whatever church they belong to, if they live in the 33 counties, they're part of my flock. And they may or may not listen to their spiritual dad, but I can't just remain silent in the face of, you know, false teaching um, that you hear from like the the German synodal way. Certainly, the synodal path that we we keep talking about could bear wonderful fruit if it's guided by guideposts that say, "Here's Jesus Christ. Here's Jesus Christ. Yes, let's walk. He's the way, the truth, and the life." But all this confusion it harms the flock that I care for. It it harms my family. And like any dad, it you know a dad's not worth his salt if he doesn't speak up and say children this is right and this is wrong and that's what I feel compelled to do.
2: So you know in eons past (laughs) we would think of a bishop uh, remaining uh, within the borders of his diocese or archdiocese and just sort of taking care of things at home. Do you think now that that Paradigm has to be sort of rethought because of social media. Uh, you know, you touched on that a little bit there, but uh, you know. absolutely, it.
3: I think it it very much needs to be rethought. Um, a wise person just recently told me, Bishop, you have to realize that people are are hearing these messages that you may not, I as a bishop, may be totally opposed. And I say, I wouldn't allow this person to come into the diocese. But they come into the diocese through Internet, through blogs and through media and through tweets and through, you know, just the whole storm of social media that's out there. That, like every tool of technology or every tool that we produce with our God given ability to shape the world, it can be used for good or ill. You know, an axe can be used to murder someone or it can be used to, you know, clear some land and build a home. Um, so the instruments we have are not the, the source of the evil. It, it sadly comes from the human heart. And so it's my obligation to teach people when um something like social media is sending out a false message. I tr- try to do that on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, Bishop, you shouldn't be on Twitter. But it's one way of communicating truth. Um, and I think I have learned a little bit to to do a better job of sticking with the truth. And really what I try to do, sometimes it's controversy that needs to be addressed. Like this thing with the synodal path of the German bishops, I'm—I would presume, I would hope that not every German bishop is necessarily on board this, but the German bishops as a body are speaking this synodal path. That oh, well, the the deposit of faith, the the public revelation that has guided the church for two thousand years regarding human sexuality. Oh, well, we've been wrong all this time, and we're suddenly awake. To a new truth, I keep referring people to paragraph 66 in the Catechism and paragraph 67. If you read those paragraphs, I think it gives us some good understanding of how do you deal with a teaching that comes from whomever that maybe is claiming, "Oh, Mary appeared to me." If someone claims that Mary appeared to them and says that abortion's fine, and anyone can marry anyone else, all we have to do is look at public revelation to the deposit of faith, the the Word of God in the Bible and the Catechism, and say, sorry, you may think Mary appeared to you, but what you're hearing from Mary is not authentic, and we know the Immaculate Virgin Mary is never going to say anything to anyone that isn't of her son. All she did in scripture, all she's done through 2,000 years of history, by definition, the Immaculate Virgin Mary points to her son, not to herself, but to her son right. as a woman. Uh, so that's what we all should be doing, and not afraid to speak up when false messages... I mean, really, Michael... Um, Right here in our small diocese, we have a couple of Catholic schools, and occasionally we have issues where young people have clearly not heard the message of how sacred our sexuality is and how it needs to be treated as a gift reserved to a man and a woman in a commitment of marriage open to life. That's that's very simple, really. These kind of messages coming from Germany do damage or from anywhere. When it's a false gospel, when it's not the truth, these young people right here in Tyler, Texas, they say, oh, I guess it's okay what I'm doing because they're saying they're just going to open up a whole new way of approaching human sexuality. And really, one thing that really I don't think even those who are proposing these things are they really thinking it through? Because if they take the step of saying any uh, two men can marry, or I think they're they're not talking about marriage, but they're talking about some sort of, you know, being together in a loving relationship that's acknowledged by the church blessed by the church, right. And that's what I said in my tweet. I mean, thankfully, the the CDF uh, the, said recently, we can't bless sin. Right. That needs to be referred to the the synodal path that the German bishops are on um, and say, sorry, we can't bless sin. That's Catholic faith. Well, like, and, when, again,
2: if I interrupt if like sure. you, when Cardinal Holler came, up, yes, came out yesterday and said, the church's teaching on homosexuality is false. He couched it in a little bit of, well, maybe some of it are scientific or sociological or this or that, and when it was formed, it was back then, but now we're so much wiser and smarter. A cardinal, sitting cardinal of the Catholic Church, came out and declared that church teaching, accepted for 2,000 years, is false. You're a bishop, What's your and you're a Catholic man. What's your... Internal reaction to a statement like that. That's a bold claim.
3: A big, clear, no. You're wrong. And again, Michael, that's one cardinal. Yeah, he's a cardinal. We, we owe respect to every person who is ordained in the church. Every person, really. But that's called private revelation if it's contrary to the public revelation that is codified in the word of god and in the catechism and in the magisterium of countless popes when someone comes up with something that is contrary to that we measure it and say sorry cardinal you're wrong mm-hmm. you're just you're departing from the deposit of faith and i think it's in galatians that i just quoted recently st paul says um, you, you can't do this. You can't claim a false gospel. And if you do, you're anathema. I mean, that's not the word St. Paul says, but that's the traditional language of saying you're wrong. You're in, on a false path. And that's what I feel compelled to speak up because there are too many people who say, well, a cardinal says it. And there, really, Michael, as, as we both know, as, as Catholic men, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. It's guaranteed that we're sinners. If we're human beings, we're in a broken world. We are called away from that sin. But what we have to, to remember is that the truth is Jesus Christ. That's the wonder of the incarnation. Truth has a face. We can get to know him if we just bother to. And I think that's a great way for just people to sort of in, or, in an organic way to know what we're talking about. Truth is not just some list of ideas that the church has pounded on people. It's knowing a person. Right. It's a personal relationship with God's divine son. God doesn't change and his truth doesn't change. Yes, we can come to a deeper and deeper understanding, and through 2,000 years, there's been a lot of that deepening of understanding of what the truth is, but it doesn't change. It doesn't switch
2: directions. Sure. Do do you, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, particularly a lot of Catholics that watch Church Militants, are beginning to have a sense, if not an outright belief, that various members of the hierarchy simply do not believe the catholic faith or they believe some crazy version of it that has no touchstone to reality and the, the the notion of here is a deposit of faith this is what we believe doesn't seem to be you know embraced by you know various members of the hierarchy much less many priests also what, what's your response to that? I mean, you know, you move around in these circles, you know, to some degree, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's you know, is there a rejection of the faith? It certainly, wouldn't be the first time it's happened in the history of the
3: church. Well, certainly, and some of the statements that bishops or cardinals make—that um, I mean, just hearing their statements or reading their statements—and indi- I mean, they're stating things that are contrary to supernatural faith, to the deposit of faith of the church, so. It, it's not illogical that people would come to that conclusion. Really, Michael, um, it, I would encourage people. Uh, it's part of our mission as disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for everyone. And to pray especially for Pope Francis, the Cardinals, and every bishop in the church to look to Christ. Again, the synodal path that is ongoing. The marker stones, the milestones in that path. If it's going to take us anywhere except to hell and perdition, yeah. it's got to be markers of Christ. His tremendous suffering, his profound love, his great mercy. Um, so I would encourage people not. I mean, I know people get angry or upset or just disgusted or whatever. Pray, pray. It's our obligation. If we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all, which I believe, that's what he taught us, then there's no one that's written off. God doesn't write us off. We can write ourselves off. And that's what we're in danger of. We're all in danger of. Final perseverance is a phrase from the past that needs to be constantly people reminded of now. I mean, just because we're okay today, and I mean, we're sinners, but we're trying to do the right thing, we've got to persevere to that final moment, and that's the mercy of God that he will look for any opening of repentance of sin and desire to embrace him. But we've, we've got to do that for everyone on the planet, and we need to pray for all the hierarchy of the church, Pope Francis, the cardinals, the bishops. We need to look to Christ. Michael, that's the only strength I have. I'm not any great anything, but I have a great love and commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his church. And that's why I'm, for some, dumb enough or others bold enough to just speak up. When I hear false teaching, then I feel an obligation to speak up, and I hope many more bishops become a chorus of saying, no, in the, in the most profound love for whatever cardinal or anyone else, no, we have to stay with the truth that Jesus Christ suffered and died to make part of our world.
2: Do you think there is, I mean, so much of all of the uh, errors and false teachings and statements and all of that going on right now, uh, certainly not all of them, but huge numbers of them, revolve around uh, issues of sexual morality. Do you think that we are, I mean, you and I are roughly the same age. We grew up as young boys as the sexual revolution was barnstorming across the United States. Do you think that that's what we are in right now is the sort of the, the fallout from that? And how did it get to the level of that high up in the hierarchy, if you believe that's what happened?
3: Well, I believe we are in the fallout of even before we were born, there were there was where there were things happening. There are some moments in history, um, like the Humane Vitae being pretty much outright rejected. I mean, it decimated the papacy of Paul the mm-hmm. Sixth. Um, and yes, we're in the fallout period where the you know the the consequences. Of rejecting exactly what you know, the consequences of what the the sinful path of German bishops are, are doing, saying, "Oh, we were wrong. We've been living out the consequences of that idea for our lifetime and before." Right. And where are we? <laughs> we're in a, a broken, shattered place where lives. I mean, the human trafficking, the abortion issue, the the breakdown of families. I mean, you know, I can remember as a kid, people even saying then, it was early on, but people were saying, well, all Catholics are all caught up on sex. (laughs) But if you look at, if we just went and watched whatever news program tonight in any of the major network cable or the regular broadcast networks, There's going to be something that we can say that had an origin in a broken sexual reality. And like I said, even in our own Catholic, small Catholic high schools, we've had issues where young people are taught false, false messages. They apply it in their lives and it wrecks things. That happens (laughs) countless times, even in this pretty rural part of Northeast Texas people's lives, families are destroyed, pornography harms people. It's just, and people say, oh, well, you know, the the below-the-belt issues are not that big a deal. Actually, if we look at just the history of the past 80 years, they're a huge deal. And when we lose what God has revealed to us, that we are sacred men and women, male and female. There's a sacred place for that sexual urge to be fulfilled. And when it happens outside that sacred place of marriage between a man and a woman, committed for life, not just for a while, but for life and open to children, and all of those elements are critical. And when it happens outside that sacred space, it is a wildfire of evil. And we think we can we can control it. No, we're just hooking up for this evening, or this is just for a pleasure thing, or whatever. But we're playing with fire, and humanity is getting burned. And it the tragedy is, too many in church and state, too many in business are promoting it now, and and saying, oh well, we've got to leave people free to destroy themselves, yeah. and. If you really love God and love the humanity, the family that he's given us, we have to say no. We have to say, please listen to what God has revealed to us.
2: Why do you think, Bishop, (laughs) that, I mean, you know, yes, you get labeled as divisive by some and all of that. Why do you think yours is, yeah, he's probably not right to typify it as the only voice, the lone voice, but it sure is a really rare voice among your brother bishops, yeah, even around the world, not even just here in the U.S., but everywhere. W- w- why? Why do you think that is? I mean, they, they must be able to see the destruction of the culture and society.
3: Michael, I've, I've really pondered that a lot. I've prayed over that a lot. I don't have an answer. All I can do is answer for myself. And people would rather that I would stop speaking yeah, and just go
2: away. I know the feeling. <laughs> but
3: I can't I can't do that. I can't live with myself. And I'm you know, like I said, I'm I'm nothing. But I am a man who knows the truth and I've got to speak to it. I think as I've thought about that question. You know, I mean, I'm just in a part of a lot of people don't know where in in Texas, a lot of people don't know where Tyler, Texas is. It's a beautiful place. But, you know, it's not, I mean, it's just over 100,000 people. That's a drop in the bucket for some of the millions and millions in our large cities. Mm-hmm. But, and and I think that may be part of it. I, you know, uh, that's a question I'll have for God, but hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to him. <laughs> um, but I feel like maybe because... Really, I don't have any ladder to climb. I'm in a place that I love. I'm with people that I, I love and care for as their shepherd. I just want to serve them the best I can. It really, frankly, um, if I had to do over and knew what the future held nine years ago, when I said yes, when cardinal or uh, Archbishop Vigano called me as the nuncio, and Pope Benedict XVI had chosen me to be the fourth bishop of Tyler, believe me, I'm sure a lot of us bishops have thought, maybe I should have said no, (laughs) but I didn't. I said, yes, I will do this. And the storm that I've faced, especially in recent years, is unimaginable. But, you know, uh, somebody's got to do it, and men... And women through the ages have faced moments. I mean, I think of Joan of Arc, a young girl, really. And she said, I'm going to to live for Christ and die for Christ if I have to. That's what we should all say. I mean, that's what he told us to do. Take up our cross and follow him. I don't have an answer, really, for why me. I mean, I laugh about it. My family laughs about it. I mean, it's like, I mean, people are constantly telling oh, Bishop, people know you all over the place. It's like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But I'm as long as I'm standing for the truth, the glorious truth of Jesus Christ, then I'm going to keep speaking because the world needs the joy and the hope that only Jesus Christ brings humanity. And too many, even in the church, are like, it's like, oh, we got all these options and you can follow Jesus if you want, but you can follow, no. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one. And, you know, these issues like trying to say, oh, we've been wrong for 2,000 years, that's blasphemous to Christ himself, who died to show us what would be true, not just for 2,000 years, but for all of human history.
2: Absolutely. Final question. So here's divisive Bishop Strickland sitting on Church Militant, divisive church militant, talking with divisive Michael Forrest. uh, Do you expect you will uh, not hear something because of this interview?
3: (laughs) Well, it, it could well happen, but we need to speak the truth. And really, a lot of people talk about division, which, what did Christ say? He said he prayed to his father, may they be one, but we can only be one. In Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the principle of unity, not just for the Catholic Church, but for humanity. That is our goal that every person on earth embraces our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are a long way from that. Sadly, even within his bride, the church. Yeah. But that's where division comes from. It's rejecting the truth. Of the the one whose face is truth, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, well said, Bishop. Well said. Are you allowed to give an Episcopal blessing through the internet to our listeners? I do it all the
3: time. Nobody's told me I can't. <laughs> well, thankfully, prayer is beyond everything that the world measures. So absolutely, the Lord be with you
2: and with your spirit.
3: Almighty God, we ask your blessing for Michael Voris, for all those at Church Militant, that they may. Be joyful and strong in the truth of Jesus Christ and that everyone who eventually watches this, that they may be guided more deeply into the sacred heart of Christ, to his wondrous truth, to the joy of knowing and sacrificing for him. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen. God bless, Bishop. Thank you so much. Appreciate the interview and the time. There was a little bit of a rush there at the, uh, just as we got going, but welcome to technology, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm
3: glad we have the Skype option. All right.
2: Very good. Thank you so much, Bishop. God bless you.
3: God bless. Take care. Bye bye.
1: That was a surprisingly candid interview with Bishop Strickland, and one that certainly elevates him in my estimation. Don't forget to stick around for the Catholic Boot Camp segment as we continue the series on evangelization. Your immortal soul depends on it. The COVID lockdowns and mandates hurt everyone financially. Nearly all of you lost money and many lost their jobs. I learned this in email conversations with some of you. I learned that many of you are looking for ways to avoid financial worries when this happens again and make no mistake that the tyrants in government will make sure it happens again. The number of Americans searching for ways to earn an income online has exploded. Some need to replace the jobs they lost, Others want to build an online income to be prepared for when it happens again. Some just want the freedom from being threatened financially again. Stay at home moms want to supplement the household income without working outside the home. I get it. The problem is the average person has no earthly idea where to start. I've been spending countless hours researching ways to earn an online income with the help of some friends. I've come up with a bevy of income avenues and reputable courses to help you. Consequently, I've come up with a separate email list for people who want this information. When I gave this opportunity to people on my other email list, the response was overwhelming. So if you want to get the valuable information I'm collecting about how to make money online, just click on the link in my show notes that says, show me how to make money. I'll begin helping you right away. Joe Sixpack, the every
0: Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five.
1: Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Pro-life activists were relieved that the recent budget signed into law last week returned critical life-saving protections like the Hyde Amendment. But Gene Mancini of March for Life stated that abortion businesses, including Planned Parenthood, stand to receive millions through Title X family planning funding.
3: No, 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 no!
1: You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic News Pick Number
1: 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire Several missiles hit the U.S. consulate in Erbil, Iraq on Sunday. An American official in Iraq reportedly said the rockets were fired from Iran. An Israeli strike near Damascus, Syria, killed two members of Iran's Revolutionary Guard in recent days. A U.S. State Department source reportedly said the Sunday strikes in her bill did not result in any casualties. Holy cow! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Daily Wire Senator Joe Manchin, who is the chairman of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, called the full Federal Energy Regulatory Commission into a hearing last week. During the hearing, Manchin blasted FERC Chairman Richard Glick for stalling American energy production with red tape surrounding pipeline permits. Shame on all of you, Manchin said. Just do your damn job. That's what I'm talking about. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic news pick pick number number two. two. Hats off to Fox News. Pretender Biden authorized $200 million in new security assistance to Ukraine, bringing the total defense aid for Ukraine to $1.2 billion in the last year. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rybikov called the United States' weapons support of Ukraine a dangerous move and said Russia will consider transport convoys legitimate targets. Oh my goodness. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic
0: Catholic news pick number number one.
1: one. Hats off to Fox News. Former President Donald Trump recently signaled he will campaign again for the presidency. Pretender Joe Biden also plans to run for re-election. According to a national poll released Friday by the Wall Street Journal, voters were split between the two at 45% in a hypothetical 2024 rematch. You're kidding, right? What? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Now here's Joe Sixpack.
1: Last week I told you it was time that you get up off your butt and be a Catholic. I was referring to evangelization. In order to show you that I mean business, I'm going to invest in a very lengthy series of instruction on how to evangelize. Don't worry, this won't be boring, you won't be put on the spot to do any actual exercises, and you'll learn about aspects of the faith along with evangelization. I have to tell you a story first. Thirty years ago, I was at the lowest point of my life. I was at rock bottom. I won't bore you with the details about why I was at the bottom. Just take my word for it that I was. It's as Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, Sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into some hearts is to break them. I'd been a Baptist in my youth, but as I grew older and more cynical, I became an agnostic. Consequently, since I felt we humans were on our own and that God didn't really care, I didn't see much value to my life, especially my own. That's right, I was contemplating suicide. I didn't see much sense in continuing my miserable life. Because of the underhanded things I'd done, nobody liked me or wanted me around anymore, and I didn't much want to be around me either. Over the next year, I contemplated how I'd end it all. Then I met a man who was a walking Catholic encyclopedia. I'm not 100% certain how he got me to listen to him, but I listened nonetheless. Boy, am I glad I did. I was perhaps the toughest student my new friend had ever taught. Being the cynical agnostic, I made him prove everything he was teaching me. I'd have never believed it if I hadn't experienced it firsthand, but every single teaching of the Catholic faith can be proven from the Bible, ancient extra-biblical writings, history, and logic and reason. When my friend proved to me that Jesus was God and that he'd founded the Catholic Church, I made the intellectual decision to become a Catholic, despite the fact I'd been reared in a vehemently anti-Catholic home. I didn't want to become a Catholic, but I was afraid not to join the church after learning Jesus established her. It wasn't long, though, before I was at peace with my decision, because it became an emotional decision in short order. No, that's not quite true. It became a ravenous hunger, a longing of the heart, and a passion. Now, 30-some years later, after the fact, I can remember it as if it happened yesterday. What caused me to change my attitude about conversion from dread to eager anticipation was when my friend taught me about and proved the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. As I listened to what he told me, It occurred to me that I never had to suffer all my misery alone, that God the Son had been present all along, waiting for me to visit him in every Catholic church in the world. I wept and wept and wept, unashamedly, no longer the proud, arrogant, tough guy. For the record, I'm still arrogant. I just wasn't at that particular moment, but God ain't finished with me yet. Even while yet a catechumen, I began sharing the Catholic faith with anyone who was warm, had a pulse, could at least communicate with grunts, and would stand still long enough to listen. Since that day, I've considered myself a lay evangelist. But I'm not what you typically think of as a lay evangelist. Some who call themselves lay evangelists, The ones you typically think of as lay evangelists make big bucks preaching to the choir on the Catholic speaker circuit. They've never made a convert in their lives, or maybe only a few, but they spend their time and efforts attempting to motivate the lay faithful to share the faith. I'm not saying this sort of lay evangelist doesn't have a place. What they do is actually a good thing but there is little doubt in my mind that they want to all make a full-time living preaching to the choir and having the name recognition of other famed Catholic laity. If that weren't so, rather than spending all their productive time booking gigs, they'd use that time to actually reach out to souls. I don't have a problem with them speaking to groups of people and making money. Many of them are very good at it. I just think they shouldn't call themselves lay evangelists. They're not. They're speakers, period. The other types of lay evangelists, who are very rare, are the ones who draw big crowds with their preaching. That's a tremendously great thing, but they're not able to follow through with the souls they reach and risk losing them altogether. That's the problem with large crowds, unless you've managed to establish a productive system for follow-up. They plant seeds, but most folks don't know what to do or where to go to get those seeds watered and grown. Me? I take a little different approach. I've managed to stay under the radar and not attract attention over the years in my work with individuals and small groups. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and reverts over the last 30 years, 84 of whom are my adult godchildren. I'm not bragging about the converts. I know I've just been a tool and nothing more. After all, the Holy Spirit could just enlighten every person's soul with Catholic truth and let each one make a decision then and there. I'm not really necessary at all. God has chosen to use human intervention, though, for sharing the gospel message. I've spent the last 30 years doing something that not 1 in 10 million Catholics do, but that all of us are obligated to do evangelize. My experiences have demonstrated to me that a significant percentage of Catholics want to evangelize, but they don't know how and are afraid to try on their own. I get that. Doing something like this is outside the realm of most people's experience and can be pretty scary. Anything outside your comfort zone is scary. So this series is for all those Catholics who want to learn to evangelize and live the true meaning of the Great Commission. Now that you know a little bit about my background in evangelization, next week I'll tell you how to become God's rock star in evangelization. ever really explored the Cantankerous Catholic website? Did you know that I have six of my own books available there? Did you know that I have t-shirts, sweatshirts, and coffee mugs available? You can accomplish three things when you buy some of my swag. Your purchase helps to support this apostolate, you'll have something to display that says you're a six-pack warrior, and you'll look just plain cool. How many Catholic apostolates can make you look cool? Click on the Joe's Stuff tab at cantankerouscatholic.com today. Let the world know you're a cool six-pack warrior. church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She said, Pain and suffering have come into your life, but remember, pain, sorrow, suffering are but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Bernard once had to go on a long journey with some companions. As night fell, they stopped at an inn. The landlady was attracted by the charming appearance of the saint. She assigned him a room not far from her own, so that when everyone was asleep, she might go in to see him. After everyone was in bed, the door of his room slowly opened and the lady of the house tiptoed in. When Bernard saw her in his room, he suspected some evil purpose. He prayed for grace. Then he shouted as loud as he could, "'Thieves! Thieves! Robbers!' The bold woman fled back to her room. The rest of the house jumped up, grabbed whatever weapons they could, and ran through the house looking for the thieves. When the excitement settled, they all returned to bed. The next morning, as the group continued its journey, Bernard's companions asked him why he cried out so loudly. Surely he'd been dreaming. No, friends, he explained, it was true. There was a thief in the house. Our hostess was the thief. She wanted to rob me of a treasure that I value more than all the treasures of the world, the treasure of holy purity. Thanks be to God, I escaped. The sixth commandment not only forbids adultery, but also anything else that's contrary to purity. Anything that threatens to rob you of purity is a thief. So quit using pornography, quit shacking up, and live according to your state in life. This has been the
0: Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.